the nation's capital. This is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Sipes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking forward to today's show. The title is Veterans Treatment Courts. We have three esteemed individuals with us today. Bernie Edelman, uh, who works for Vietnam Veterans of America for over 10 years. He's the Deputy Director for Policy and Government Affairs, and he has a heck of a journalism and writing background. Greg Crawford is a Correctional Program Specialist, been before our microphones before, uh, from the Community Services Division at the National Institute of Corrections, and Stephen Amos is the Chief of Jails, Jails Division at the National Institute of Corrections. Stephen Amos and I go way back. Uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome to D.C. Public, Sa- Public Safety. Thanks, Len. Thank you, Okay. Uh, this is a wonderful concept. I can't think of something that is more interesting, more inviting uh, than this concept of veterans treatment courts because too many veterans are being caught up in America's criminal justice system and they don't have to be. Is that the bottom line, Greg? Crawford? That's absolutely correct, Len. Um, I think if you look at most uh, veterans uh, prior to their military service, they were not criminals. Um, And as a result of what they experienced in the military, some come home and struggle. Some come home and self-medicate, and unfortunately, some wind up in the criminal justice system. And veterans treatment courts are providing an opportunity to restore their lives and for redemption. Bernie, you said on a prior show that this whole concept of Veterans helping veterans is something that's so powerful uh, that really has an impact on the lives of people caught up in the criminal justice system. Tell me about that. Absolutely, Len. And it also has a terrific impact on the guys who are doing the helping. One of the key things that makes these courts work are mentors. These are veterans who volunteer to help fellow veterans, usually younger guys, who are caught up in the great maw of the criminal justice system. They are not part of the, officially part of the court. They don't report to the judge, but they help these guys, and that's one of the things that simply makes it work. You don't have this anywhere else, not in drug courts, not in mental health courts, and certainly not in regular courts. Stephen Amos, the concept here, and, and extrapolating from what Bernie said, you know, the vast majority of people caught up in the criminal justice system do not have a support mechanism. With veterans, you do. Um, if you get caught up in the criminal justice system and you're having problems and you're involved in veterans treatment courts, there is a league of people like you who have your experiences, who have your service, who will come to your aid, which I find extraordinary. That is correct, Lynn. I think it's a very exciting opportunity to interface at that uh, interjection with uh, intersection between law enforcement and the community. Let me share with you some examples of that. As mm-hmm. I tour the country and see many jails and see many community service programs, all too often the need is to have a better intersect there, meaning that the services flow in a continuity. We have drug courts that are doing a great job out there, but there is the need to engage the community with regards to community services and ensure that those programs are aligned properly. And that's what the jails division of the National Institute of Corrections focuses on. But the whole idea is that there is a support mechanism across the board for veterans, and that makes a huge difference in whether or not they succeed in terms of veterans treatment courts, correct? That is absolutely correct. Individuals leaving the military, veterans need that continuity of structure and support in the community, particularly as they're challenged by employment, challenged by post-traumatic stress disorder, possible brain trauma, and other Mm -hmm. type of challenges. Uh, One of the things that we see as being 
being instrumental is that continuity of, of contact and follow-through. All right, www.nicic.gov slash veterans is the website, www.nicic.gov slash veterans. If you want to get in touch with Greg Crawford from the National Institute of Corrections, it's G-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D at B-O-P, which stands for Bureau of Prisons.gov. All right, um, Greg, I'm going to go back to you. What is a Veterans Treatment Court? Well, <clears throat> Veterans Treatment Court is a hybrid integration of drug court and mental health court principles to serve military veterans and sometimes active duty personnel. And I want to point out, Len, that prior to the inception of the first Veterans Treatment Court in 2008, uh, started by Judge Robert Russell and his colleagues up in New York, uh, veterans were typically treated as any other justice-involved individual, and they didn't even touch the underlying issues that are associated with being a veteran or being part of the military. We're talking about PTSD and TBI. Uh, when I was uh, serving as a probation officer back in the early 2000s, um, I was working in Pierce County, Tacoma, Washington, uh, which was right near Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And uh, we had a, a large influx of folks coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan that we started seeing in our criminal justice system. And prior to the inception of the first Veterans Court, um, the court orders would just simply reflect the charge like DUI, driving under the influence, or domestic bonds, and there was nothing on there about addressing these underlying issues of PTSD and TBI. Mm -hmm. So uh, Veterans Treatment Courts um, are really creating an awareness and starting to um, bring um, uh, a recognition that this is a critical issue as to why these folks are winding up in the criminal justice system. And I'm starting to see lots of positive results, reductions in recidivism, and um, a movement towards addressing these critical issues. I want to suggest that out of all the things that the criminal justice system has done over the last 10 years, this may be the most powerful, and I'm not suggesting you have data to back this up, but this may be the most powerful initiative within in criminal justice circles that I am aware of. And I'm, I'm just referring to anecdotal evidence. Bernie, you going to take that question? Yeah. Patrick Welch is a Vietnam veteran. He left part of his leg in Vietnam, unfortunately. Came back, married, went, got a job, had a couple of daughters. Unfortunately, one of them died. Patrick was suicidal. Somebody from a Vietnam Veterans of America chapter, chapter 77, up in Erie County, New York, interested him in becoming an advocate. He helped get past key veterans legislation by knowing what he had to do. Patrick calls the Veterans Treatment Courts. What has been created is the most profound change in the attitude of a criminal justice system towards veterans in the history, in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. And it is profound. You don't have something like this anywhere else. You just don't. There are three elements that you need to make these courts work. You need a champion who's usually a judge. You need the VA. VA is always under fire, it seems, lately, but they have something called VJOs, Veterans Justice Outreach Workers. They bring laptop computers into the courtrooms. You've been a bad boy, Len. You're up there. You're talking to the judge. You say, yeah, I've been going to my uh, appointments. Mm -hmm. And judge looks at the uh, VJO. VJO says, uh-uh, you're going to go spend a couple of nights in jail, dude. Mm -hmm. But if you need another appointment, you've got to go see your psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever. They can make the appointment right there. Okay. You need a champion, a, the, the VA. And, and the mentors. The mentors. The mentors are so key. And that's one of the things that I learned through this. 
I didn't know anything about veterans treatment courts when I began this project. We went to half a dozen of these courts across the country. We interviewed people. The key thing was coming up with the questions in a certain order. We recorded them, and we got these interviews transcribed by professional transcribers. I looked at the material, and I said, this is fabulous. The commitment, the eloquence of these people, I'm going to argue you don't find anywhere else in the criminal justice system, Mm -hmm. because a lot of them are veterans, and it's veterans helping veterans. You that's what the bottom line is. And you know what? It's working. Well, I have a, a friend of mine. He was a World War II veteran, uh, or is, um, yeah. 90 years old, fought at the Battle of Iwo Jima on a rocket truck, um, thought he was dead. Um, he's had issues at age 90 in terms of dealing with the VA. Um, I said, you know, I, can I help you in some way? Is there a, something I can do for you? He goes, no, the local VA chapter is um, uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars is embracing me and filling out the paperwork and advocating for me and doing this for me and doing that for me. And I said, wow, what a wonderful concept. Uh, he was swarmed uh, by veterans. And so that's that's what I'm using uh, to, to identify with veterans treatment courts if he uh, a former world war ii marine uh, is being swarmed i would imagine people caught up in the criminal justice system are being swarmed um steve absolutely and i think that that's what this new area that we're moving forward in is new frontier with regards to jails and prisons and that is to how to support not only what the drug courts are doing in the community and the partnerships and collaborations that have been spoken to but in the jails division and also in the prisons division it's looking at opportunities there. Again, it's veterans helping veterans. We have structured housing units that are becoming more and more prominent. This is something that we are currently evaluating and researching to determine best practices. The National Institute of Correction is a center of learning, and our objective in part is to ensure that uh, innovation and leadership advances effective correctional policy. We believe that it's that continuity that matters, meaning that, yes, we do need to have not only from the drug court's perspective, but but starting with the law enforcement in the community, being familiar with veterans' challenges and issues, the drug court process, working closely with a lot of sheriffs out there and jail administrators who are looking very progressively at diversion and looking at opportunities to, to redirect these individuals before they even come into jail, particularly if they, they see underlying mental health issues, start seeing uh, some of the challenges that they're facing. And mo- most, most often what we see is it's a, a, a series of challenges and issues that they face, including homelessness, and sometimes they end up in jail for minor offenses uh, that may be eventually lead to larger offenses. So uh, in part, what we're seeing is this continuity of of, uh, engagement and support, which is absolutely critical, identifying the veterans as they come into the facilities. www.nicic.gov slash veterans is the website for this initiative, Bernard. You know, when we were up in Buffalo uh, interviewing Judge Russell, he's my candidate for sainthood, by the way. Okay. Uh, We went to the local jail when I think it was the eighth floor. The prisoners there, they're all veterans. Mm-hmm. It's the veterans' floor. The correctional officers there are all veterans. The day we were there, somebody from the VA was interviewing one of these guys in a room, helping him with his benefits. You don't have this. And they're starting to do these across the country because they don't have any problems 
on that floor. They do have problems on other floors with other inmates. I do want to get into the unserved portion of this because we're talking about something that's wonderful, uh, something that's been successful. But um, uh, let's talk about numbers, and I don't know who wants to take this. First of all, how many people who are caught up in today's criminal justice system are veterans? Do we know? And is it higher percentage-wise than the regular population? Well, Len, if you look at uh, the uh, overall criminal justice population, I believe there's about 2.2 million people in uh, state or federal prison and about, um, I want to say, just under 10% um, of the prison population are our veterans. I don't necessarily know that it's a higher percentage uh, in comparison to the general population. Um, However, what I do know is that there are far too many veterans who are incarcerated that could be um, treated in a veterans treatment court uh, had they had the opportunity. Um, we've seen a significant rise in incarceration in this country since the early 80s, shortly after um, the conclusion of the Vietnam War. And I think um, something like uh, 2.2 million people in prison, uh, about 5 million on probation, um, you know, uh, 750,000 in local jails right now. The, the, the system is flooded with individuals, and about 10% we know are veterans. How many veterans treatment courts exist? There's currently 264 approximately, wow. with about 80 more in various stages of planning and That's implementation. Great. That's fantastic. And I want to just mention, um, uh, we are here to talk about Veterans Treatment Courts and the publication that NIC is about to release. Please, we'll go be ahead. releasing uh, actually at an event uh, next Tuesday at 1 o'clock on May 17th. Um, and I want to say that this um, this paper is designed to be a guide for jurisdictions looking to implement a veterans t- court or maybe improve upon an existing program. And really, it served as the platform for many of NIC's initiatives. Um, uh, we we did the broadcast uh, last August with the same title. Um, we uh, have a collaboration with the Bureau of Justice Assistance and the Center for Court Innovation. I believe we did a previous radio show on this, mm-hmm. where we developed the first set of specialized screening tools uh, for justice-involved veterans and a case planning protocol that's actually being uh, test piloted in three different jurisdictions. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to turn it over to Chief Amos. We're going to be developing a veterans network. Um, but first, let's... give the name of the document. Do, or do you want me to? Go ahead, sir. It is Veterans Treatment Courts, a second chance for vets who have lost their way. Veterans Treatment Courts, a second chance for vets who have lost their way from the National Institute of Corrections. And that's going to be available through the website, correct? www.nicic.gov slash veterans, right? That is correct, Len. But I'd, uh, I would also like to um, acknowledge that we do have a webinar that people can register for. And the, um, the website um, is on our uh, NIC website, um, NIC webex.com where do we go to in terms of the unserved veterans population well one of the things that i would like to articulate this is and greg alluded to this is that there's been a lot of work that's been done with regards to drug courts you heard about the volume that's out there there's been a lot of studies a lot of evaluations and it is clearly anchored well in terms of the services they're providing and the, and the outcomes that are being garnered but what we are working to do is expand it on a more uh, extensive level this on the jails and prison side of the the um, the discussion and so we're starting a next next week in fact we're going to have a meeting it's cross-divisional 
uh, it's a collaboration that's intended to identify justice-involved veterans. We're referring to it as the Veterans Network, in which we're going to be bringing in key stakeholders. The purpose of that conversation is to hear from first responders, veterans in crisis, incarcerated veterans at local jails, state and federal uh, institutions, reentry, uh, veterans under community supervision, probation, parole, and other environments um, to basically identify what is the shared message and how do we understand these issues from an institutional setting. What I spoke to earlier were sheriffs and jail administrators who have been working closely with their drug courts, working in their communities, and have identified the jail as a continuum of services from the community and back into the community. So we do see that this is going to be an expanded initiative that's going to be, again, cross-divisional for the National Institute of Corrections, and that will also include prisons. So we hope to have that in place this coming fiscal year where this network will inform the process, help us identify best practices, and we can speak more positively to those outcomes. More than halfway through the program, I do want to introduce our guest one more time. We're doing a show on Veterans Treatment Courts. Bernie Edelman, who who works for Vietnam Veterans of America for over 10 years. He's the Deputy Director for Policy and Government Affairs. Greg Crawford, a Correctional Program Specialist uh, from the Community Services Division at the National Institute of Corrections. And Stephen is the chief of the jails division for the National Institute of Corrections, www.nicic.gov slash veterans. Uh, Greg Crawford can be reached at G-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D at BOP.gov. And there's a seminar coming up and a new report. A new report is Veterans Treatment Courts, a second chance for vets who have lost their way and a seminar coming up on May 17th, right? That's correct, sir. All right, cool. I'm going to tell you something about this. When Greg asked me to do this, I told him, if you just want a how-to, I'm really not your guy. But if you want something that's going to be unlike any other government or publication, I'll do that. Okay. Uh, I gave him 40,000 words. I let people tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Judge Russell explaining how the first court came to be. Uh, A woman named Michelle Slattery out in uh, uh, Colorado who talks about the need for research and what she's been doing out there. Uh, One guy who really impressed me, Judge Mark Carter down in Harris County, Texas, that's Houston, fourth largest county in the whole country, Air Force vet, son of a uh, 20-year Army veteran, He has great ideas about justice. What is real justice? We let him talk. His words, not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, I just set the stage a little bit. But it's through stories and giving people questions that they need to ask, that they need to think about. Even folks who have no idea about these treatment courts, even folks talking about judges, talking about prosecutors, who don't want to have a veterans treatment court in their jurisdiction. I want people to think and to see the potential benefits, not only to save lives, but restore communities, restore families. Sure. Redemption for these individuals and save taxpayer dollars. I want to know how many veterans are not being served. Now, we're talking about somewhere in the ballpark of 350 Veterans treatment courts now and in the future, um, what about the population that's not being served? What about the veterans who are out there dealing with this alone? 
Well, I think uh, what Chief Amos and I were just talking about, um, the Veterans Network, and that's that's one of the things we want to identify is um, looking at the entire continuum between law enforcement through Veterans Treatment Courts, working in the community, the local jails, community supervision, and on to prison, identifying areas of need. What are the gaps in the system? How can we reach each veteran that is in need of services? And uh, hopefully um, through awareness of um, policies, uh, evidence-based practices, um, you know, we can minimize the collateral consequences for justice involvement for these veterans. But here, here's my point. I've been listening and reading criminal justice publications for decades, uh, talking about changes within, changes within the criminal justice system, how we can improve the criminal justice system, how we can divert people from the criminal justice system, how we can get people in the system out uh, and do it safely without risking public safety. I don't see a lot about veterans' treatment courts. Uh, as, as part of that solution, so I'm, I'm sort of wondering, you know, the, the, about the underserved population, the population that's not being served, and, and why isn't this on the tip of everybody's tongue? We hope it will be through this publication, through the initiatives of the uh, NIC, through the initiatives of the whole Bureau of Prisons, through the initiatives of the entire Department of Justice. That's the whole idea. We want to get this publication maximum exposure. We want more stories done. And you see them occasionally, something up in Maine, something down in Nevada, uh-huh. where people are trying to do one of these courts where it's succeeding. We need more of this. You need communities saying these are worthy lives. When you read that, I think you'll see Oh, I'm going to read it word for word. Veterans Treatment Courts, a second chance for vets who have lost their way. Um, But are we saying, can you assume that the majority of vets are still out there on their own? Absolutely. And one thing I really want to point out, Len, these courts are not boutique courts. These courts are not an easy walk in the sun. A lot of guys prefer spending a year in jail rather than going through these programs, which can last for a year and a half, two years. It's tough love. It's tough love. Exactly. And when I say tough love, what do we mean by that? So the the judge says these are basically people who have committed nonviolent crimes, correct? Yeah, there may be some domestic violence. We're not talking about people who have homicided anyone. All right. So the judge brings a person in and says, I think you need anger management. I think you need um, to uh, uh, to find work. And, and I th- also think you need something to deal with your your, your uh, mental health issues, your substance abuse issues. I mean, that's a big hoe to row for that veteran. But if he or she completes these programs, I'm assuming that the judge will not prosecute. It will set um, the charge. You have prosecution, prosecution and defense working together. You don't have this anywhere else. Well, you have it in traditional drug courts. Yeah, but this way they are working to really save these individuals. And at the end, if you complete your sentence, quote unquote, either your charges will go away or they will be significantly reduced. Okay. And you can have your life back. You can right. get redemption. But I'm, I'm, I'm playing off of what you said earlier, that these are not a walk in the park. Nobody yeah. is saying, oh, gee, you're a veteran. We're going to cut you this wonderful break. Uh, you really have to earn your way through the program. Absolutely. But earning your way through the program, you're not by yourself, not to beat the point to death, but you are surrounded by other people who are willing to intervene and embrace you. 
And we want that continuity also into the jails. And that is real important. I mean, when we talk about this effort, and you've heard the commitment, is that we want to ensure that every eligible justice-involved veteran has the opportunity to divert from the criminal justice system with minimal collateral um, harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing that you know, you, you hit on something, a larger issue and concern, and that is there is a growing consciousness of the kind of people that are in jail and what they're there for, not just veterans, uh, the mentally ill. We know there's 150,000 prisoners on any given day in the jails that are diagnosed. These are diagno- not diagnosable, but diagnosed mentally ill. They're the new mental institutions. That's correct. And so what you're seeing is a whole new awareness that are taking place at the community level. Uh, jail administrators, sheriffs are struggling with this every day. And what you're, you're, they're observing is, is that our population has changed from truly a criminogenic-based be, um, per, uh, population to a much more complex one. And as they've dug into these issues, many when you go through the booking process, they don't ask you historically whether you're a veteran or not. It was an irrelevant factor. Mm -hmm. Now we ask those questions. We encourage jurisdictions to ask those. We are working to identify uh, best practices with regards to referral systems and processes. In some cases, as Bernie mentioned, we have a situation where we actually have the VA coming to the jail, engaged with the, the veteran through the booking process, and being a resource. So in the big scheme of things, it's, it's using the jails and prisons as a solution-based incarceration, meaning if you're going to go to jail, if you're going to go to prison, uh, because we've talked about the drug court, but if, we're going to die, if you are going to do serve some time in jail and prison, making it productive, making sure that you're getting the proper services you need and are continued that, that dialogue with the Veterans Administration. Gentlemen, we've got five minutes left. Um, what are the sound bites? Uh, what are the takeaways from this program that you absolutely need people in the criminal justice system to understand? Veterans treatment courts are working, and they're saving lives. Simple as that. And this is something that jurisdictions need to look at. There's a lot of questions that they've got to ask, and it's you have a lot of community groups that are part of the stakeholding uh, operation that help and. This is real important. You want to save lives. You want to help get people out, not into the prisons. This is a potential solution. It's a moral imperative, is it not? That's the way I see it. Yes. Greg? Yeah, well, I think the, the thing about the Veterans Treatment Courts is that we're intervening in the life of a veteran who's fallen into the criminal justice system before things escalate and they fall deeper into the system. I mean, like Bernie said, these are uh, an opportunity for redemption and restoring the lives of those that have served our country, and I think that that's worthy. Stephen, what's uh, takeaways for people to remember? Remember that jails are a continuation of the community and that we need to ensure that those services are provided for veterans regardless of where they are in that continuum with regards to the criminal justice system. Um, we're excited to see the future and the prospects in that realm, and we'll continue to engage. Again, we're relatively new on the scene, but we're working with the sheriffs, jail administrators, county officials across the country, and we're excited about the prospects. Greg, what's going to happen on the 17th, May 17th? Well, the release of the paper, Len. Uh, Veterans Treatment Courts, a second chance for vets who have lost their way, will be um, uh, broadcasting live on uh, May 17th at 1 o'clock, and immediately... Oh, it's a live broadcast. It's a live broadcast. We'll have people across the country uh, tuning in. Uh, 
Uh, we have a panel of uh, Bernie Edelman, our author, Dr. Tom Berger from VVA, who is a consultant on the project, and also Melissa Fitzgerald, Senior Director at Justice for Vets. We'll also have Judge Robert Russell uh, up in Buffalo, New York, uh, along with Patrick Welch, um, and then uh, Nick Stefanovich from uh, Rochester, uh, who's a uh, veteran who graduated from a veterans treatment court and now is an advocate for veterans treatment courts and also works uh, in the Rochester court system. So if you have any interest in this concept at all, uh, May 17, 2016, for those of you listening to this program five years from now, www.nicic.gov slash veterans. That's how you find it, right? And Thanks, uh, so that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. We're not done. Final minute of the program. Um, if we had veterans treatment courts, how many veterans could we remove from the criminal justice system? What percentage? Are we talking about 5%, 10%, 15%, 50%? I would argue it could be 50, it could be more. Most of these cases are people who, as we say in the title, they've lost their way. They're not raping, they're not molesting. These are people who can be helped. And it's the vast majority. I also want to point out, it's not only the new vets on the block, the freshly minted veterans. It's a lot of guys from my war, from the Vietnam War, who now are getting into trouble. Time to help them. And and so, but the great majority of people, I'm going to guess, because of their military experience, can be saved if we choose to save them. And criminal justice administrators listening to this program can get assistance, at least technical assistance, or read the materials from the National Institute of Corrections, Greg. Absolutely. Uh, we've created a website that has all of our resources, um, uh, starting with the Veterans Treatment Court white paper, the broadcast, our, our risk tool, um, and also we provide technical assistance to the field. So all if right. you're interested, get a hold of us. You, Greg, you've got the final word. Our guest today is Bernie Edelman, who works for the Vietnam Veterans of America, Greg Crawford at the National Institute of Corrections, and Stephen Amos, Chief of Jails Division at the National Institute of Corrections. Ladies and gentlemen, this is D.C. Public Safety. We appreciate your comments. We even appreciate your criticisms, and we want everybody to have themselves a very pleasant day. 